Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. There are elements that are above our covering, that we need protection from. There's things that can come into our lives that if we're not covered, we can be exposed and affected. Isn't that true? So my message uh, this morning is entitled, Suit Up. And I'm going to be spending most of my time in Ephesians 6. And um, Ephesians 6 is about the armor of God, if you're not familiar with this in Scripture. And I'm also going to dabble in 2 Corinthians um, as well. But mainly it's Ephesians 6, and it's about the armor of God and how God protects us and gives us the power to endure any battle that we go through. And I'm going to read from verse 10. It says here, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that we will be able, for you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly or supernatural places. Therefore, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand In the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, there's a theme here. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we're here to suit up. We're here to clothe ourselves in something that makes us fit for purpose. See, if... I like to put all my sermons in a sentence. So here's my sentence from from the get-go. It is this, that God provides us the equipment for victory to ensure his purpose is fulfilled in our lives. God provides us the equipment for our victory. Victory is complete. Victory does not mean there's no battle. Victory does not mean there's no struggle. Victory does not mean there's no transition. Victory means that there's a guaranteed end to what we go through. And this ends in our victory. And God has provided us the equipment for our victory. And that is good news. I'm looking around and um, I I can't really tell by looking at you, but how many people here work in working environments where you need PPE or personal protective equipment? Yeah, the personal protective equipment. How many people have been in trouble for not using the right PPE? <laughs> yeah, builders are the notorious. Builders are the worst. But then, but in my line of work, it's it's so like frowned upon if you you can actually um, potentially lose a job for not using the right pr- protective equipment for the jobs you do, which is quite scary. So whenever we see our supervisors, we have to make sure we've got the right boots on, this, the 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 tool caps and the and the gloves, and we are making sure we're kitted out. And I remember one time I was in the workshop and I was working with this, um, it was kind of like, kind of like a clamp that went around this, the tools that we manufacture. And this was retrofitted with magnets. 
like really strong magnets in there. And I was wearing like kind of like nitrile gloves. They weren't very th um, thick, but it was my loosened one, like nuts and bolts and stuff like that. So I used these gloves. And um, what happened was when I loosened one, <clears throat> to not bore you with the physics of what happens with magnets. So basically, <laughs> when they're loose enough, they smack together. But the problem was, when I loosened the bolt off one of them, they just, they smacked together. But the problem was, the skin of my thumb was between them. I know I didn't say a swear word, but I'm not too sure I didn't think one. So in my anger, I just grabbed the thing and just threw it along the ground. I was just so angry because that's how guys respond to pain. We get angry at what hurts us. So, and then my manager looks on and, and then I'm just trying to nurse my thumb because I didn't have the right glove on. I should have worn something thicker, which was also would have been better for the, um, the air wrench I was using on a continual basis. But, but I learned my lesson from that. But there's also PPE in sports. Um, in football, you have to wear your shin guards and you have to wear um, boots, which you can able to run in. Um, but my sport that I did was um, martial arts and kickboxing was um, the main one I did. And one of the, um, some of the protective equipment we had to use for that was uh, hand wraps to protect our hands. We had to use padded gloves. We had to use um, a mouthpiece just in case we we're doing any sparring. But we also had to use a protective cup. <laughs> but I was early in training and I didn't do much sparring. So I thought that's... That's not going to be no big deal. Um, I'll be fine without it for a while. Um, and then, except there was one fateful day where I was in a sparring session. Nobody told me I was going to be doing sparring. But what happened was I was against this six foot five Dutch guy, and he front kicks me right in the nethers and it folds me in half. <laughs> So I think, I've really learnt my lesson. This is never happening again. Nothing will ever come to me in that sort of way again. But the problem was, I didn't learn my lesson. What happened after that, I was sparring with another guy who wasn't six foot five, but he was five foot five. So automatically, I think, this is going to be easy. And he's, he's like a boxing background, so he was getting nowhere near me. So um, if you remember, like, Scooby and Scrappy-Doo, that's what I could literally do. I could put my hand on his head and be like, let me at him, and he wouldn't be able to touch me. That's what this is like. So I thought, I'm in no danger here. So... He's a boxer, so he kind of knows how to work the, the angles, and then he tries to do a body shot to me, but it would be fine if he was punching somebody of his own height. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this? He just goes, bang, and, and I just fold again. <laughs> it was the first and last time he actually hit me. <laughs> so just insult to injury, but the problem is not in these endeavors. The problem is not with what we do for work or what we do for sport or what we do necessarily for hobby. The problem is in our approach. It's how we approach circumstances, how we approach issues, how we approach jobs that makes them possibly detrimental to us. Yeah. You see, sometimes we can go into something that, we, um, that is a good thing, like, for example, driving. But if you just think about it, how dangerous driving is and the fact that people can do it from the age of 17, you're putting a teenager into, into heavy machinery which can destroy people and property. That's what you're doing. Yeah. And I remember when I was learning to drive, and after I um, managed to work the, the gears and all that sort of stuff and be able to do all the maneuvers, that's when my instructor turned up the heat. That's when he began to watch me, not what I was doing, but watch me. 
And he was watching me to see, am I looking before I turn away? Am I looking to see what's around me? Am I paying attention to the road and the other drivers? Because it would be great if we were the only people on the road. But the problem is that we're not. So we have to take things into consideration. It's the same with our lives when we are in, when we do every day, that we're, there's things that we need to take into consideration that we wouldn't see any other way. So we're called to be, in the scripture says, watchful to this end. To be watchful because there's more that goes on than meets the eye. How many people know what I'm talking about? And what we are talking about today is this, this dynamic which is called spiritual warfare. Now, maybe you don't under, fully understand this or fully understand the ramifications of this, but maybe if you're in this place and you, you don't quite know what that means, you know, just look at your everyday circumstances, the people you speak to, you know, your, your family, your friends, and how they react in certain ways. And you know that you just know that deep down inside, you know there's something beneath the surface. You know there's something more that meets, that meets the eye. And today we're going to talk about it, and uh, I'm going to go through this quite quickly because I've got quite a bit of ground to cover. Um, so bear with me here. Um, I'm going to read from verse 10 because this is, this is the groundwork of what happens in this battle. And this is why we need to be watchful. It says here, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Because yeah. it's possible to be strong in the wrong might. Yes. You know, I've been in church for about six years now, and never in my life have I heard the term burnout used more in church than outside of church. And I like to think of burnout as good as it's an indicator, because it indicates to us that we're in the wrong strength for too long. So verse 10 says to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And there's a lot of implications about evil day, but basically, it's any time you feel that it is your turn. Like, and what I mean by your turn is you go through a, a circumstance of loss. You go through a circumstance where you don't fully understand. But God knows this, and Apostle Paul knew this, and so he's, he's saying for us to be watchful, to put on this armor so we can be able to stand. And I'm going to go through the, the armor really quick, and I'm going to do it in a way that you may not have seen it before, but it helps us get handles for how we can apply it in our everyday life. So the first is the belt of truth. And I've encompassed the belt of truth to mean this word integrity. Integrity. And I've been you know, pastoring, shepherding young people and people my age for some time now. And there's always a common denominator, always a common question that people ask is, how far can I go before it's not okay? You guys heard this. It's quite common. How far can I go before it's not okay? And we do this financially, like, oh, if it's, it doesn't matter if I just spend this much. I go into my overdraft, but my, my pay for the next month will cover it, so I'm okay. But integrity is actually, it's not about how loose your belt can be. Your integrity is fasten your belt so your trousers don't fall down. Has anyone ever seen that? And, and where people are like, 
people have that fashion. Like, I never got this. So, like, I always balance fashion and function. So, I, I, never, I never did this. But, but people have, like, their jeans, like, halfway down their butt and think it's cool. Until they're running late for something. <laughs> until they're trying to defend themselves against someone swinging at them. And then, then they're exposed in much more ways than that. But the thing is, that's how integrity works in our lives. Yeah. We loosen our belt, and it's okay when nothing's going on. But when things go on, the trousers fall down and we're exposed. (laughs) That's how integrity works in our life. If you want freedom in your fights, in your troubles, in your trials, it's actually integrity that keeps everything together. That's the first thing he mentions, that you keep everything together. You you fasten your, your waist with a band of truth because... The integrity is how we stop from fighting ourselves. We loosen our integrity. We, we increase the onslaught on ourselves. We have an enemy out there. And we also have an enemy in here. And the next one is the, the breastplate of righteousness, which I've kind of paraphrased to mean virtue. And this is how we walk in our everyday life. It's our, the things that we do to help one another. It's a stance. It's not necessarily the righteousness of Christ, but it's how we behave towards one another. Yeah. It's the, the characteristics and the um, character we put on. Yeah. Like Colossians says, put on then, as God's chosen people, put on love. And yeah. when we put on this virtue, we're actually displaying that. Yeah. And it protects our vital organs as well. The best way to be joyful in our lives our lives are to enjoy the things that God has given us. Yeah. The best way to for, have forgiveness living in you is to forgive. The yeah. best way to have generosity and a free flowing of life through you is to just give. Yeah. It's how we, when we do these things, we actually put on these, these characteristics and we walk in integrity and a virtue. That means that whatever comes against us, we can't be shaken in life. The next one is this. It is the shoes of the gospel of peace. And that gives us stability. Whatever the terrain, we are, our, our foundation is securing God. So whatever we walk through, we don't lose step. Whatever we go through, we don't feel like we've made a mistake. We're actually walking in a secure foundation. But it's the shoes of the preparation which sometimes we often go through things in our lives to the level of our preparation. And then if we don't prepare ourselves when we're not prepared for the job, so then we feel like we can't step. But, but Paul is saying to fasten your feet with the, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. In other words, if he's telling you to prepare, there's a place to go. So when you go with the preparation of the gospel of peace, you can step on any terrain that comes. Anything you have to go through, you can walk this way. Any way you need to go. And the next thing he says is to, to, is to um, put on the, secu- the uh, shield of faith, which is, which I've said, security. Yeah. Above all, take on this, your security. How many people here have seen the film 300? Not that many people. It's a great <laughs> film. Come on. That's, a, that's what you should do after lunch, see 300. <laughs> Find it anywhere. You need to watch this film. But um, what happens in it, there's this guy who's um, a relative of Sparta, the, the nation um, that's fighting. And, and, the, and he wants to fight in the war. But the problem is he's like, kind of deformed and he's not like that 
doesn't have that, stru- that stature. So then he's saying, oh, I can kill many Spar- I'll kill many first Persians, and I'll do this, all this stuff. And he's like, I will serve you, my king. And then, then the guy's just like, raise your shield. And he, and he struggled to raise a shield because of his structure, and he couldn't raise it. So then he said, well, your father should have told you that we raise our shields because we form a phalanx or a phalanx. And then when we raise our shields from thigh to, to this sort of area, we can actually we form a, a network, a structure, which gives us security against the enemy. So then when things come our way, we can advance and move ground. And he said this, he said, one weak point and the whole thing fails. So he said, sorry, I can't use you. So we're given the shield of faith. We hold up our shield and we can, we can quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. We can quench anything that comes against us. And here's the good news. This is why we worship in church. This is why it's the first thing we do. Because the easiest way to raise our shields so that anyone around you can be protected. Anyone around you can be secure. Anyone around you can come into the presence of God safe and secure because of your faith. Jesus was amazed by the faith of four friends who, who thought it was a good idea to rip the roof off her structure. <laughs> the friend needed a healing and they couldn't get through the crowd. So what they did is they climbed to the roof and lowered him in after cutting a hole. And they lowered it in. And, they said, and Jesus said to him, your faith has made you well. Not the faith of the person, but the faith of his mates. That's why we meet together midweek groups. That's why we have pods and young adults. It's because when our faith is linked together, that's when we're actually, we raise in power. We can quench anything that comes against our lives. When we, when, we, when we join our identities together and our security together, that's when we take ground. That's when we can be able to shelter people that come behind us when we have that security and we move forward. And that's how a church takes ground as well. So you have this shield of faith. The next thing is the helmet of salvation, which I've said, confidence. It's a confidence in what God has done for us. Do you remember the, um, the, the women's conference where there was a slogan going around? It was like high-heeled warriors. Is that it? And <laughs> I quite like this. Right? <laughs> so there's a slogan, high-heeled warriors. And, and there's a reason. I, didn't actually, I wasn't in the meetings, but just so, just so you know, right? I, I can't be there. Um, but what happened was, they would all, um, afterwards, they would all like, get like, new high heels and they would walk in them, even if they haven't quite broken them in yet. They would just try. But, but they did something for them. There was, like, there was an elevation in confidence and stature. And in the, Roman, in, in the time when Paul was writing this, this is what, exactly what the shield of faith did. I mean, sorry, the helmet of salvation actually increased their stature. So they looked more impressive. But the thing was, it wasn't in the helmet. It was in the person who gave the helmet. Or it was in the person that it actually represented. So when you're confident in God, it's not because because your helmet has the plumage that makes it seem great. It's the fact that who gave it to you gives you a security. And you actually have a confidence to walk in who gave it to you. So we put on this and it protects us and gives us the confidence to walk in this life. But there's something missing. There's a piece of armor missing. All these armors are primarily defensive. But there's one that stands out. There's one that is the only offensive weapon. And that is the sword of the spirit. 
the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And that gives us our power. And I'm going to read from um, verse, eight, I'm sorry, verse 17 B. Say, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And this word is translated the word rima, revelation. It's living, it's active yes. in our lives. Yes. This word that God gives to us, it's not, to, it's not for defense, it's actually for taking ground. It's actually for taking enemies. It's actually for doing the work that removes boundaries, removes obstacles. Actually, it's for work that, that takes enemies out of the game and for glorifying God as well. Yeah. And the, uh, the power of the... Yes! <laughs> the power of the Word of God. Um, <laughs> and this is good for any period of your life. Um, years, I think I've only maybe told Joe this story, but um, years ago, um, I was in my old company and... Um, the way I was working was very counterproductive to a growing company. I was in the workshop and then I'd be running in and out of the office answering emails and speaking to clients and stuff. So I said to our value stream leaders, like, this is, this is not the way to, to build. Like, I, like, I'm running myself dry here and we're just barely scraping targets. And so I said to him, that for this to survive and this to thrive, and he'd give me a team of three people, me running this team of two guys in the workshop, and we'll be able to respond to any clients. People could even go to offshore and do jobs like that. And we'd be, even, we'd be able to have people to spare just in case one was sick or one was offshore, and this would be fine. But it fell on deaf ears. And then later in the week, he has a closed-door conversation with me, and he says to me, you know what, Chaz, I think you're taking the easy road. And your future of this company is going to determine, is going to require more from you. And I, I was just about four o'clock, so I was just like, this ha- it was in my head for the rest of the time I was in the office. And then on the bus home, I was just speaking to God, not audibly because there was people around, it became kind of weird. <laughs> but I just said, God, this testimony is not true. This is not true. I just said to him, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Yeah. I now know that to be Isaiah 4 and 9, 54 and 19. I said to him, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I had no ill, no Ill like, intent towards the person or anything like that. But I just said, this is a weapon formed against me and it won't prosper. Yeah. So then the next week, it was um, so Monday, we were called into um, our manager's office for, um, for a, a conference call. And the manager director from the head of the company um, was on the, on the phone, first time I heard his voice. And he said, um, I just called to let you know that so-and-so, um, the value stream leader, um, is no longer with the company from, with immediate effect. Nobody saw this coming. No longer with the company, with immediate effect. And then what happened after that was um, the company began to grow into what I saw it would be anyway. So before the redundancies last year, I was the head of this, this team, which functioned very well and, and worked really well. But the problem was there was something in the way. There was an obstacle in the way. And it was the word of God that removed it. I was standing in faith. I was confident. I had integrity. I was walking in a virtue and I carried an authority and, and, I, and I lived with this security, but this enemy was there until I spoke, yeah. until I said the word, yeah. until I made a stand and spoke against it. And in scripture, we have David, who if you remember, um, David kills Goliath. Yeah. 
And he said to him, which, is, which I just love, he said to him, you come at me in, with your sword and your javelin. I come at you in the name of the Lord. And this enemy, this, this fight is the Lord's and I will remove your head from you this day. Yes. Problem was he didn't have a sword. Yeah. He had five smooth stones that Bear Grylls might be able to make a fire with. But nothing else other than that. He can lacerate somebody at best. So what happened was, he went to the battle line, slung, he went down, and then he's just sort of looking around, and, ah, sword. This is the part that's not said in children's church. So this one took his head, and then he's walking around with it. Like, word of God did this. God did this. The purpose of the word of God in your life is to give you something to go home with. What enemies, what enemies you need to make an example of by the word of God. Yeah. And I'm telling you that there's things that remain that will remain until a word is spoken. Yeah. God says in, Jer- in Jeremiah 1 and 12, he says, I am active and ready to watch over my word to perform it. Yeah. That any word will, per- will perform the, the purpose for which it is sent. Yeah. That God will always perform his word. Yeah. But we have to put on the whole armor. You know, there's power in a praying church. It's how we warfare in this realm that we don't always see or are aware of. That's why we do prayer meetings. Because there's power when we come together and fight together for lands that the enemy wants to take. We actually fight together to see things achieved in this nation, in this city. It takes prayer to take that step. Prayer to take that realm which nobody sees all the time. But there's a realm that we're aware of because we're in Christ. But we pray to do it. It says this in verse 18. It says, praying then, always with all Prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end. Praying always, without prayer and supplication. It's our martial art. And Paul knew this. Paul was like, he was like the Mac Daddy of apostles. He, <laughs> he like, he planted, he was a tireless church planter. But there's a problem. He was in jail. But he knew the power of a praying church. So he goes on to say this in verse 19. Pray for me that utterance may be given to me. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. In verse 20. For which I am. I'll focus on here in the time I've got. An ambassador in change, in chains. That I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. An ambassador in chains. The reason we put on the armor of God. Well, we walk in, walk in integrity, walk in confidence, we walk with the security. It's because we're ambassadors. Yeah. And ambassadors means this. It's an accredited diplomat, diplomat sent by a state that's its permanent representative in a foreign country. Yeah. So you're sent, yeah. meaning you've got purpose. Yeah. There's nobody here that doesn't have purpose. So whatever purpose you have, you are sent and then you're sent with an authority because of this. But you're a permanent representative. So here's where Paul is. It's kind of challenging um, because a lot of people have been in circumstances like this. And you can say, "How how can I be effective in where I currently am? How can I, this, this circumstance does not suit 
the, the, the intended outcome. How can Paul create freedom for people and declare the gospel if he's in prison? How can he do that? But Paul realized this. He realized that the war you fight is from wherever you are. Once you're on, you're always on. And if you've known um, the, the, the senior pastors, um, Kevin and Cheryl, for any length of time, you know this, that you can't turn off a calling. When you're called, you're called. Yes. Anything that goes on in your life, it's like, it's like the, Jeremiah said, it's like the word, it's, it's like fire in my bones. It has to come out and whatever goes on. It's like, it's part of me now. It's, 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 it can't, I can't exist without it. And people have tried to run from the call of God, but you can't turn off the call of God. Mm-hmm. What, they do in, what they do to try and turn it off is to turn the volume up and everything else. But there's still that fire in the bones. If you get anything from this morning, it's that don't, don't try and turn away from that fire in your bones. Everyone's got a purpose in this place. Everyone has got a destiny in this place. But how, however loud everything else is, I just encourage you to tune into that fire. Because God will watch over his word to perform it in your life. God will watch over that. God will watch over that. And Paul knows this. And, and he says that in his chains, he's praying for utterance. Like he's praying for that word to be given to him. Because once you're on, you're always on. And I found that in my life, even this morning, where I was just standing with you guys in the congregation. Most of the time I'll be up here. In fact, every other Sunday I'll be up here. But I found that I'm still tuning my ear to the things that are going on. I hear what the guitar is doing. I hear what the drums are doing. I hear what the keyboard's doing. I hear where they should go. I hear the things that that are happening. Because once you're on, you're always on. You can't turn off a calling. And how we live in our life has ramifications that goes into every different area that we go to. And the police know this in society that they have a, um, a media campaign called One Punch, Two Lives. Now what happens is that they found that the people that are in jails and hospitals and the A&E over the weekends are not people that are prone to violence or crime. They're just normal workaday people. But the problem is, things happen at the weekend, things go wrong, they didn't, things they didn't plan, they get in altercations or whatnot and they're in jail, or they're injured or whatever else, and that leads to lost time off work. So even the police and society are knowing that once you're on, you're always on. But as ambassadors of Christ, once you're on, you're always on. When you are with Christ, there's a permanence about what he has done. You're not the same. When Christ has touched your life, you are forever changed. It's almost like a, like a holy ruining. <laughs> you wish you can go back to ignorance because somehow there's less resistance there. But when we have been filled with the Spirit of God, when we've been made aware of God, we're aware of a battle which we know we need to fight and win. Not just for ourselves, but we lift up our shields of faith and we fight for those around us. We fight for our families. We fight for our friends. We fight for our bosses. Because once we're on, we're always on. And since we're always on, we have people to win over to Jesus. We have people to reach. We have our lives to restore, relationships to build. We have people to to teach and to show the very goodness of God. Once we're on, we're always on. And I'll close with this. I've gone a bit over time. But 
Just know that when God does to you, it's permanent. It doesn't go on how you feel about God. It doesn't go on how you behaved last week. When God touches your life, there's a permanence. There's a permanent work that was done 2,000 years ago on the cross. When forgiveness was established for all, so that all may know Jesus. So that all may know him. It's a permanent. You can't unforgive us. We can enter into that peace. And know that it's something that is permanently ours. So that's why we put on our armor. We put on our integrity because it's freedom in the fight. We put on our breastplate because it's, it's, a, it's a blessing to be a blessing. To love one another, it's a blessing. We put on our, our shields because there's people around us that need our security. We take the sword and then we take down those who are trying to devalue and defame people in our lives, the people around us. But the truth is, if I'm going to wrap a little bit of theology around this, the fact that God, sorry, that Satan may do something against you isn't about you. If any parents are in this house, when things happen to your children, you know it happens to you as well. Satan wants to attack the image of God. When he sees us, he sees image bearers of God. He sees people that are righteous, that are made in the very image and splendor, the likeness of God. That's what Satan is after. That's what he's after. He's after the image, what you represent. So that's why we put on this protection. Because we're protecting ourselves against the wiles, the the little niggles, the things that try and come under the scenes, underneath our armor. We're protecting ourselves against these things. When we're on, we're always on. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. I'll skip down to verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now this is an open invitation. Be reconciled to God. God loves us. He loves us so much that he actually gives us the power to deal with anything that we can't see. Forces that come against your life, forces that you don't fully understand, that's okay. God is not limited by our lives. He actually empowers us in our lives. He gives us the armor. He gives us the protection. He gives us his love. He gives us his grace. He gives us his word. He said, don't worry that these, this day when they come against you, in that time, I will give you the word to say. That's a sword of the spirit. That's a sword that is available to all of us. It's a living word of God. The easiest way to try and remember the word of God is to send it to do something. Send it to do something. Lord, you said no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Send it to do something. Lord, you are my provider. You are my ever exceeding glory, my ever exceeding reward. Send it to do something. Send it to accomplish what it, for the purpose which it was sent. 
That's when it becomes not just logos written on paper, but rhema, living word in our hearts. God is a personal God. He's an amazing God who wants to be reconciled to us. He wants to have a relationship with us. See, I've put the word in your mouth. And the word in your mouth is as powerful as the word in his mouth. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.